the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to SoCal Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host and your uh, SoCal weatherman. Looking out the window, and uh, it's cloudy and cooler than uh, we should have expected, but uh, it's going to clear up eventually. I think that's what it takes to do the weather in in California and just kind of look out and go, eh, 30% chance of rain, and you're probably right. Is it true? I believe it's true that if you say 30% chance of rain, it means – it doesn't mean – that there's a 30% chance that it might rain. It means that it is going to rain over 30% of the region. Is that right? I don't know if that's right or not, but I guess you could always still be right too because you can say, well, it didn't rain where you are, but it rains uh, anywhere else. It doesn't matter. It is What does matter is that we're here together. We're here together this afternoon, and it's great to be with you. Give me a call today to join the conversation. The number is 888-LA-TALKS, 888 Five two eight two five five seven. You can also send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. SoCalLive at KKLA.com if you're at your desk and you can't really grab the phone, but you want to join the conversation, send us an email right there, and we can respond to it on the air. Um, you know, it's one of those kinds of days. You ever have a day where just one thing after another keeps coming at you? I, that's the day I've got, I'll tell you that. And, uh, you know, I won't get into it. It's it's one thing after another that sometimes happens, and you have it too. But you know what? Sometimes when that happens, it's good to just sit down and reflect a little bit, get together with people you love like you and everybody out there, and let's be inspired by something. Let's just take a minute and and do that. I've got my, my coffee, the brew of the believer with me, and uh, maybe you take a coffee break, maybe you don't. But uh, have you... Uh, I'm not going to talk about sports, but this is in the realm of sports, okay? So don't turn off if you're not watching the March Madness and the basketball because there's a great story. I don't get into March Madness too much. I'm getting into it a little bit more because my boys are old enough and they're watching and they play basketball. I get into it kind of at the end, but I really like the stories. And I want to share a story with you about one of the coaches who's got a great Christian testimony. And, you know, a lot of these people who play in um, the college basketball, this is it for them as far as, uh, the attention and stuff. Some will go on to the NBA, but the rest of them will go on to other careers and other things. And if you were ever a coach, and I've been, uh, I've never coached anybody into the Final Four. That might surprise you, but uh, I have coached the Little League before, and uh, and I've coached young kids. And you realize that it's not about the winning and losing, or it shouldn't be. It really is about character and development, and you begin to really care about the the kids and their families and all of the drama that gets uncovered and all of the things that you see. So I I look at that sometimes. There's a couple of cool stories uh, going on, and one of them I think maybe will inspire you, maybe raise some some thought with you, and uh, I'll get to him in just a minute. There's one coach that I thought this was funny. I'm not really going to talk about this, but not funny, but I thought it was cool. Eric Musselman, he's the coach of Arkansas Razorbacks. And, you know, before practice, he did something that most teams don't do. He took his team out. The games were in San Francisco, and he decided, you know what, we're going to take everybody out for a trolley tour. 
of the town. And normally you don't do that. You're focused on winning. Everything is about winning and everything is about practice and staying focused and getting all that done. Well, he said that when he was last there in 19 or in uh, 2019, he said he regretted that he focused so hard on the players just to stay focused that they didn't get to enjoy the fact that they got a trip for some of these players. This is the first time they've been out of town. It's the first time they go to, uh, a city like San Francisco. So he said, this time I'm going to do it. So they went on a trolley tour. They went to Ghirardelli Square. They robbed a CVS. They did all the things that you do in San Francisco. And uh, they didn't do the CVS part, in case you're wondering. Um, and uh, but I thought that was cool that he did that. And uh, I thought that was great things. But here's the, here's the point that I want, to, I want to make here. There's another coach, Coach Hubert Davis. He's the coach of North Carolina. And uh, University of North Carolina is in the Final Four, which is in the March Madness. If you don't follow it, all the teams play in this tournament who get into the tournament, and you know it keeps dividing in half until you get to uh, the Elite Eight Final Four. It's a, and it's a great honor to make the Final Four. You're in the four best college basketball teams in the country. Coach Hubert Davis, this is his first year as coach in an important university with basketball, and he's got a great Christian testimony. And you can tell that he really loves the players on his team. And I wanted you to hear part of that testimony as he shared it. And this is what I'd like to share with you, is that God will elevate the faithful in his time. Not for that person's glory, but for his own. And I think that even through sports or through your profession, through whatever it is, you know, when you're faithful to God, he's going to use you for his glory, whether it's just with the people you know and maybe no one's going to hear it. Or he may put you in a situation with cameras in your face and a situation where a lot of people are listening, where you get to share your faith. And this has been Coach Hubert Davis. When his team won to get in the Final Four, he was in tears. And you can watch the videos if you search for Coach Hubert Davis on YouTube. He's happy, he's emotional, and clearly he loves these kids that he's coaching. It's, it's not about him. He's pouring into them. He realizes what's there. And he says that he's a Christian and he has a mission. He calls his job missionary work. Uh, and it's a reference to the effect for Christ he wants to have in his players along with their their jobs. Play clip one, Wilbert. One of the things that I do is I pray all the time that that Jesus would put good people in my kids' life, like Coach Smith, Coach Guthridge, and Coach Williams, people that um, genuinely care for you, that they don't have, they have, that there's no hidden agenda, agenda, they're genuinely on your side. You know how important that is? It's so important spiritually. It's so important that whoever we might find ourselves leading or we find ourselves in a position of influence, everybody, by the way, all of you listening, all of us, we have influence somewhere. We have influence with the people that we work with. And you may not be the boss. You may not have influence with respect to your position or your title or your job or things like that. But you have influence personally. You just do. We all do. And even if you're just, you just feel like, gosh, I don't have any influence. Well, you have a certain level of influence. I promise you, if you do not shower, or use deodorant for a few days, and then you get on the bus, uh, someone is going to be influenced to not sit by you. There are just different things that we all have. We have this ability to influence others. And I think something for every one of us, wherever we find ourselves, is that we should bloom where we're planted and realize that I influence people every day. You influence people every day, whether you realize it or not. You have a sphere of influence. Now, when it comes to a coach like this, he has a a public job. He has a job where he is 
speaking into the lives, not just for basketball, but for the big questions that young people have. Have you had somebody in your life, particularly in your walk with God, speak into your life, especially in a time where maybe you didn't know the Lord or maybe you were in a place where you ran away from the Lord? You know, some of you, when you were in high school, uh, you had you might have had a literal drug problem, but you also might have had the kind of drug problem that is your mom drug you to church and your mom drug you to things that you didn't really want to go to. And uh, as soon as you got out of the house, man, you were gone. And uh, that happens for a lot of us. 75% of kids who grew up in the church spend some time away from the Lord. They have to make their faith their own. And sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. Well, Coach Hubert Davis, he says his job is missionary work, and he said, he told the Sports Spectrum, he says, as I've said before, I look at this job as missionary work. I've been given an opportunity to be the head coach of this program and to be part of the program for the last 10 years. Every day I get a front row seat to be able to help out these kids, and it puts me in a place of humbleness and thankfulness and appreciation to be a part of their lives. And now he gives a testimony. I want you to hear part of his testimony. This is from a year ago when he was named head coach. This is a a public press conference at the University of North Carolina. This is not at church. This is not in some kind of interview for a Christian podcast or radio show. He was asked about his faith, and this is how he began. Go to clip two. Yeah, that's the most important thing to me. You know, my faith and foundation is firmly in my relationship with Jesus. He just is. And my mother was a Christian, and she begged me to go to church growing up. And I didn't want to go. I wasn't interested in it. My mom used to always say that Jesus had a plan for me, plans for a hope and a future, plans not to harm you, plans to prosper you, Jeremiah 29, 11. And at the time growing up, I didn't understand it and I didn't listen to it. And when my mom passed away, Two days before my junior year of high school, I grew a tremendous hate towards God. And for the two years that I was here at Carolina, the same way. And the reason being is I just couldn't understand all the things that my mom was telling me about Jesus loving me and having a plan and a purpose for me. And I didn't understand any reason why. He would take away my mom. Can I ask you something right now? Where are you at with this? Are you in a place where you're frustrated with God, where you're angry with God? All of us go through different things in life. In this coach's case, he lost his mom at a young age, and he didn't understand why, and it's hard to know why. Some of you are in that situation. It's, it's very hard to understand why that is. And it doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem that it's right. You know, something that I was impressed, and we're going to get the rest of his testimony here in a minute. Coach Hubert Davis, the coach of University of North Carolina's basketball team, he isn't hedging here on his testimony. And he has an audience. He has an audience of students, of faculty, of sports writers, of whoever else in the media might be in that room, whoever else from that university might be in that room. And he I think it's fine, you know, when you say, well, uh, I thank God for this opportunity and you give thanks to God and sort of these generic things, and you might mean Jesus, you might mean whatever God you have or some idea. 
he is very clear who his God is and what he believes. And here he's very clear that he struggles in a way that so many people struggle. How you doing with that? You can join the conversation, ask a question about anything you'd like, respond to this. 888-528-2557 is our number. 888-LA-TALKS. 888-528-2557. As he continues in his testimony, he talks about his time then going to college after his mom passed away at University of North Carolina and his struggle in being away from God and angry with God and angry for a long time, for years. But he ends up getting on the basketball team and the coaches encourage him to go to church. Play clip number three. She's not physically here today. And one of the things that Coach Smith used to do was to make all the freshmen go to church. And as I went to church, only because Coach Smith and Coach Guthridge encouraged me to go to church, I started to understand what my mom was talking about. I was started to understand the sacrifice that Jesus has made for me and how much he loves me. And two days before my junior year of college, I became a Christian. And instead of being upset that Jesus has taken away the most beautiful person in my life and my mom, I'm thankful every day that he gave me the best mom that I could ever have for 16 years. I think that's an incredible thing that he shares this testimony with everybody. When just asked about his faith, he could have said, yeah, I go to church and I uh, you know, want to encourage people to uh, do the right thing and be moral and make good decisions for life. And that's fine. And that's what a lot of people say. He got right into it, didn't he? 888-528-2557. Do you have a story like this? Has God used you where you are? Have you ran away from God and come back and you'd like to share the story? I think that it's it is so inspiring to hear that because this is very real. A lot of people are in this situation. You might be in this situation right now where you're wondering, where in the world is God? Why doesn't it seem like God has kept the promises that it seems like God has made for me? You know, and over time, sometimes you realize that God didn't really make those promises in the first place, and that's something that we have to get over. But sometimes we just are going to struggle with that. I really love this, and uh, I hope that this coach does really well. And I've been thinking about it a lot, that God elevates the faithful. His team is in the final four. They have beat what they were supposed to be able to do in in these playoffs. God elevates the faithful. He, I think, see the way God looks at things sometimes is that he takes faithful people who he knows are going to have a great testimony, who are going to reflect the truth about God, who are going to inspire people. And he puts them in positions that they really uh, maybe would not have otherwise been in. I think it's a miraculous thing that God does. Do you know people like that? Have you ever had that to to share about yourself where you felt like, you know what, if I'm going to be faithful here, um, then God might do something. That is uh, this great coach. Uh, his name is Hubert Davis, if you want to look him up. I'm excited to watch and see what happens. You know, And it's not about basketball. It's not about whether he wins the championship. I don't think he's going to be favored to win. He's maybe third or fourth is where their team's ranked. You never know. But I think that a big part of it, and once you say a big part of it, is that God is going to elevate people where God can use them. 
And he might even lower you a little bit if he needs to use you somewhere else because there might be some coach in a part of this tournament who is supposed to do much better who lost early and found themselves in a situation of heartbreak, of situation of not having the attention in the media, not having other things, but in a position of comforting the other kids who were having a hard time because they didn't make it. I think this is an amazing thing. What I really like about it too is the, it's a it's a it's a very public, very Christian centered uh, testimony, where he's not hedging on this. Again, this is at a a secular university. This is in a place where people are often critical of Christianity, often harsh about it, often opposed. I wonder if you know somebody pulled him aside and said, "Hey, you know, I you don't want to talk about a lot of that Jesus stuff." Uh, that definitely would happen in some programs. There's definitely the wrong answer to give as far as the uh, political correctness goes uh, with that kind of thing. But he doesn't. He just puts it out there. So um, I hope that that kind of thing encourages you. Do you have a story like that that would encourage our listeners here? 888-528-2557, 888-LA-TALKS. You know, one of the things that happens if you've got kids and you've got kids in in sports, take them to go see um, athletes or maybe people in other fields, could be musicians, could be people that uh, your kids like who love Jesus, who give their testimony about Christ, who live their life that way, who aren't just sharing generics, but really talk about it. Because I think that deep down in our hearts, we, we struggle this way. Pastorally, I can tell you, I deal with people all the time who are struggling with their faith. I deal with pastors, pastors who are struggling about whether or not they believe in God. Because there's some stuff that you see out there that is pretty rough. I can't tell you how many times over the course of my time as a pastor, I've sat with somebody and I've been in church all my life and I grew up in a pastor's home and I was pretty aware of what that meant and what church people were going through. And sometimes I eavesdropped on conversations I shouldn't eavesdrop on. So I kind of, even at a young age, I sort of understood these are some things that people go through. And I'm one of those people that people come to, if they got something going on, they just start talking to me. I used to have I used to work at a place called Circuit City. Remember that place? Uh, it was where service was state-of-the-art. Um, not state-of-the-art enough to uh, make it in the new economy and beat Best Buy, but uh, so they're gone now. And it was a great place to work, and you were on commission. And if you were in the right store, if you were in a neighborhood somewhere where people bought a lot of TVs and stuff, you made a lot of money as a salesperson. There were people working at, at Circuit City in the 1990s making six figures, which was a lot of money in the 1990s. It was unbelievable. And, of course, you have little things that you do with the other salespeople and you, you, you know, challenge each other to different things and you try to be fair. But there's also some, you know, grabbing employee uh, customers who come in and, and you make judgments of people. You make judgments of customers when they come in. You look at them and you go, they don't look like they have any money. I'm not going to go help them. I'm going to help this other person over there who looks like he's going to buy a big screen. You know, and then uh, sometimes that turns out to be correct and other times uh, not at all correct. And I used to get made fun of all the time when I had that job because I would go up to people and I'd start selling them a TV or something. And within about two minutes, they stop asking me questions about the TV and start pouring their heart out to me about their life. And they're telling me what's going on at home, what's going on in their marriage, what's going on with their kids, what's going on in all these different areas. And I'm going, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, and trying to steer them back to uh, this TV that they came in to buy that I get paid if you buy the TV. I don't get paid for you being on the couch. And the funniest thing is all the guys I work for, they would just stand behind me and, and or stand behind that customer and nod their head and laugh because they know I got another one. And this happened to me all the time. 
and then I would not sell the TV and not make any money. And hopefully I gave this person, you know, some kind of good life advice and they went away happy uh, and uh, without spending any money. I think God does that. You know, for me, in the, eventually when I was called to ministry, when I felt like uh, this is the, the I was going to be called into a ministry life, that's one of the reasons that I, I fought with God about that. God, why do you keep sending people to me so that I can be pastor when I'm trying to sell TVs? And the thing is, is that he, he provided, and uh, I did. I sold a lot of TVs. You might be still watching some Zenith that I sold you. It's a weird job. I used to be able to go into your house, and I could tell you the model number of your TV and everything about it. I can't do that anymore, but uh, that was the thing. I was, at one point, I was, me and one other guy, we were number one and number three. I was number three salespeople in uh, the Western United States, and that company treated us to a fancy dinner at the Ritz-Carlton in Laguna Niguel. I mean, it was really, really nice. It's another reason that company is out of business, that they take all their salespeople out there and uh, throw this incredible party you know, for you. And you go, we all got trophies and we got little plaques and they said something, we got all dressed up and, and, uh, and then they were out of business. Um, this happens. Hey, where are you at with the Lord? Are you away from church? Are you in a situation where you're thinking maybe, uh, maybe I should give church another try, or maybe you've just been burned by it. Maybe you feel like I just can't do this. You want to talk about it? 888 and maybe you're in a situation where you feel like, you know what, I was away from church, I was mad at God, but I learned something over that time, and now I'm back in fellowship with him, and maybe you can encourage listeners here with your story. The number is 888-528-2557, that's 888-LA-TALKS, and uh, we'd love to hear your story about this, and I hope that you're encouraged uh, by all those things. You know, God can use you where you are. God can use you in the lives of others. And if you are struggling with, with church and other stuff, um, I want you to take another look at it, to take your cue from uh, this coach, Coach Hubert Davis, take your cue from people you know and say, you know what, maybe I'm going to give God another chance. 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. We'll be back in just a few moments. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scuffer with you, 888-528-2557. You know, one of the things that I think you realize when you get older is that Jesus is right about everything. I have a pastor friend who loves to say that. I love to steal that from him because he kind of comes to this conclusion. The funny thing to me is that he comes to that conclusion whenever he is sort of away from Jesus himself. And he shakes his head and he says, ah, Jesus is right about everything. Do you ever get to that? that point. You know, uh, something in a follow-up from yesterday's story about the Academy Awards uh, business, something that I thought about a lot with that is that Chris Rock, what if he had punched Will Smith back? Uh, Both Chris Rock and Will Smith have apologized publicly. People are making remarks about them apologizing and their publicists probably wrote those things. That's probably true to a certain extent. It doesn't mean that they don't really feel that. It just means that they had help sort of putting it out there publicly. And I thought, you know, it's too bad we don't all have publicists for how to deal with our our stuff. But uh, uh, at the same time, people challenge, you know, I don't know how you deal with it with your movie star and people of that that height. I'm not going to, you know, look into it. I'm glad that they're saying what they're saying. But I've thought a lot about this. Just in in the standpoint of what happens 
What happens when these things happen and you make these decisions? There has to be a decision. You know, if somebody comes up to you and punches you in the face in front of a lot of people, when do you hit back? There's probably a time when you need to. You need to defend yourself. But there's also a time when you don't. And, you know, I think it's paying off for Chris Rock a little bit. His comedy tour apparently is seeing a spike in ticket sales because of that. Some people are saying, still saying this is all fake. And lots of people uh, trying to say that maybe this was staged and something to bring the Oscar ratings up because nobody watches anymore. They say that the Oscar ratings maybe doubled after social media started asking what in the world is going on here. Uh, And that's true. I wasn't watching. I wasn't even certain that they were even on. Like, if you would have asked me, are the Oscars on tonight? I would have said, I don't know. I think they're coming up, but I don't know when they're on anymore. Uh, but uh, ticket companies are saying that they have seen more sales overnight of Chris Rock tickets being sold uh, than in the last month combined in one night after that. And I thought about it, and I thought, you know, I realize this is a little bit tangential because if you go to, you know, Chris Rock, I think, is a brilliant comedian. I am sad that he feels like he needs to be vulgar a lot of the time, and I and I feel like you know, comedians don't need to do that. And if you're really funny, you can have a much bigger audience and make a bigger impact by not doing that. And I think it holds him back and, and comedians like him. I think he's brilliant. You know, when he's clean, it's hilarious. He's very funny. He's very, very smart. But I think we see a character thing that is good here that he doesn't hit back. I think if he hits back, he doesn't sell tickets, right? If he hits back and there's some kind of brawl going on on that stage and they're just cursing at each other, uh, nobody wins, nobody gains anything. And I don't know what you think about this, but when I, I think about it, when Jesus says, you have heard it said, uh, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles, give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. It's one of the more controversial Jesus statements. I think until you put it into context, I think some people say, well, Jesus is saying that you should just get beat up, that you should just stand there and, you know, let people, you know, there's a time when maybe you should, but it's also strategic. There's a time for you to defend yourself. I don't think there's anything about this that is, hey, don't defend yourself. Someone's trying to harm you. But this is, these are, these are things that were very, very public or things that are happening in certain circumstances. So if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other one also. Um, some translations will say, with, if anyone slaps you uh, with the right hand on the right cheek, turn to them the other one also. And that is a clue to what this is about. Because that kind of slap, it's different than what we saw with Will Smith, where it was open-handed across the face, right hand, but he hit the left cheek of Chris Rock. Uh, to hit the right cheek with your right hand is a different kind of slap. You have to come at it from a different angle. If you're not driving right now, put your hand out in front of you, your right hand, and imagine if you're going to strike someone on there. Don't imagine a person in particular. Just think of a, uh, you know, a dummy somewhere in a mall, you know, and imagine that you're, you're going to strike that person. How do you do it? With your right hand on their right cheek. Well, the way you do it is with the back of your hand. What kind of a slap is that? That kind of a slap is a demeaning slap. It's the kind of a slap that a person does when you're not just trying to harm someone, you are trying to demean them. It's the kind of slap that a master would do over a slave or or somebody who is controlling your life and abusive. That's the kind of hit that is, right hand and right cheek. You have to turn your hand around and do that. See, in this circumstance, 
It doesn't have to be specifically that kind of hit. But the reason you turn the other cheek is because it actually turns the attention on the one who is the abuser, on the one who is doing the violence. And it makes people take a look and say, oh, somebody here is in the right and somebody here is in the wrong. And Jesus speaking to most people who found themselves in that kind of relationship where most people were Roman day slaves. We're not talking about slavery like the human trafficking we've talked about on the show or American slavery, uh, although that was going on. We're talking about the fact that most people in the Roman era in the, in the first century were, were slaves and there was nothing they could really do about it. That's how you, that's how you lived. You didn't really have freedom necessarily. And uh, even if you had some rights and freedom, you still really did in a way were owned by whoever you were employed by. And some of these people were very mean and they just demean you that way. And what Jesus teaches here is that there is a way when you have no power, there is a way when you do not have authority. There is a way when you find yourself in a situation where people are looking that's better to turn the tables around and make people really question what's going on. The second one, if anyone wants to take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Well, back then you you either had some underwear or no underwear. And if you gave somebody your coat and your shirt, you would be standing there and uh, you would not be wearing anything or you'd be in your underwear. And in that culture, much is the same in this culture, by the way, it is worse to be the one staring at the naked person than it is to be the one who's standing there in court naked. Like you would, the right thing to do would be to turn your eyes, right? Somebody should hide their eyes and bring over a shawl or a coat to put over that person. And the whole idea is that if somebody wants to sue you and, and take your shirt, take all who you are, um, well, you give them your coat as well, and it, it makes everybody question the one who is, is harming you. There's a, there are statements here that are about uh, true justice, which gets distorted a lot today, but we shouldn't lose that from the teaching of Jesus just because of the politics of it in our modern day. There's something here that Jesus shows us. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. A Roman soldier had the legal authority to hand you all of his gear, which was heavy, and force you to go one mile. And miles were something that the Romans used, just like uh, the Americans, which I don't know if we're ever going to give it up. But uh, it was one mile. And so you were, in effect, being abused by that soldier who could make you go one mile. However, your rights were, at the end of one mile, you could just drop all the stuff and walk away. He was not allowed to make you go a second mile. He had to get somebody else if he wanted somebody to carry the stuff. But if you go a second mile, willingly on your own. Suddenly you find yourself in a different position. Suddenly you are controlling the situation. Suddenly you're in a situation where the Roman soldier's like, what are you doing? Why do you keep, you don't have to keep going. Why do you keep going? Why are you doing this? You take that person's abuse away is what happens. And when you really study what happens here, and I, and I've just been thinking a lot about this. There's so many levels of of difficulty and pain that I think we saw exhibited and that everybody's been talking about with this. I think we shouldn't miss how important it is in a, in a, to do a few things, that sometimes uh, our best move is what Jesus teaches, is to not escalate things, especially when there is violence. And if you're in a violent relationship, you got you got to get out of there, okay? You don't need to take that, all right? But there are situations where we find ourselves where the best move is to do what Chris Rock did and is to say, whoa, man, and to not escalate. There's a scene where he tried to apologize during the break, and that, I guess, wasn't happening. But there were a lot of people who came around Will Smith and talked to him. And then you see these public apologies. And I think even if you're um, 
skeptical about them because publicists may have written them. You know, what I would say is get past that a little bit and realize how important it is that both of these guys have made apologies. How important it is to everybody who saw that, to them, not just to their careers and to the movie business, and it it certainly harmed them and it harms the movie business, Um, but important it is for everybody who's a part of that, that apologies happen, that things de-escalate. This matters a lot. You know, in your relationships, if you find yourself having a hard time, always being angry, always being in a situation where there's the raising of voices, the shouting, this happens in marriages all the time. This happens in workplaces all the time. You ever, do you work in a place where somebody's mad all the time and everyone else walks on eggshells? There's a great principle of, of de-escalation, of bringing that down a notch. And somebody has to be the first one to do it. Somebody has to say, I'm going to risk being called a coward by, by doing this. And really, that's the strong person. Really, that's the person who has discerned the situation to say, you know what, there's a time when I need to defend my house and home and family uh, in a certain way. Um, and if you find yourself as the offended one, and I think, as we talked about yesterday, I think you know, Will Smith had a reason to be offended. His wife was offended. It was a not cool joke. I mean, you see the look on her face. You know, she was hurt by that. Uh, one of our great listeners called yesterday, and she said, what imag- imagine if Will Smith had just walked out with her and he wasn't there later when they called his name for the the Oscar. He still would get his trophy. But he would be lifted up today. He would be lifted up today as wow, what a great way to handle that. Uh what a uh you know positive thing. I think we can all learn that and I think he knows that. I think he knows he made the wrong thing and we need to have a lot of grace for him. We don't know what else is going on in his life. Um, but just something to think about in your situation. Is there something in your life, some place in your life where you can de-escalate, where there's just a lot of tension, where there's a lot of things built up, where you just feel angry? Maybe you're one of these people who lashes out and hits people. I know people who do that. I have a friend. Uh, he's gotten better. He's gotten much over it. But if you went to his house, you would notice the plaster in his walls had all these uh, places that were patched up, and that's because he'd get mad and punch through the wall. And one time he punched so hard he got lucky because he didn't hit a stud. He went through the living room wall right into his garage through the other side. He went through both sides. And then later I saw him with his arm all busted up, and he said, what happened? I said, well, I hit a, he said, I hit a stud this time. <laughs> and that kind of helped him stop. You know, there is something about de-escalating that is a way to love others, to expose the situation for what a situation for what it is, and to do better. And you'll be blessed by it. You know, I hope, you know, I don't know where Chris Rock is in his faith, um, and I think he will have some benefit because of this, at least in the short term, because he didn't hit back. Um, but I hope wherever he at, wherever he's at, wherever Will Smith is at, I know that Will Smith has had a, a, a Christian upbringing and uh, left the church uh, at some point, as far as I understand, that there would be repentance, that there would be a time where we reflect on the fact that Jesus is right about everything. Do you believe that, that Jesus is right about everything? It's pretty deep, deep stuff. is the number here for SoCal Live. If you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. As your Tuesday edition of SoCal Live continues, we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today on this fine Tuesday afternoon. 
888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join the conversation. 888-528-2557. I'd like to encourage you to put that in your phone. You can put it in the phone under SoCal Live. That way you always have it when you are ready to jump in. 888-528-2557. Make sure that's in your contact list. Then you can always be with us. We're on from 3 to 5 every weekday right here in KKLA. And um, we hope that you can join us every day. Put that right, you know, tell Alexa, tell Alexa, Alexa, remind me to watch, to listen to Southern California Live at 3 o'clock. And uh, you'll always get this reminder from that uh, creepy computer that's sitting next to your desk every single day. Isn't that great? Uh, The military wants to replace human decision-making with uh, artificial intelligence. Did you know that? That was a story that I read today. And uh, I've seen this movie before. Have you seen this movie where uh, decisions are made by artificial intelligence? I've seen a few of these movies uh, before, and I have not seen one story where this turns out to be right. This turns out to be a good thing. Usually works out in everybody dying. That's kind of how it turns over. The uh, the computers uh, take over. In fact, I've been watching those movies a little bit lately because after the uh, invasion in Ukraine, I thought, you know, I'm going to watch some Cold War movies and see if they have a different feel uh, now that uh, maybe the Cold War is back, and uh, they do. I'll tell you that. Go watch uh, Hunt for Red October, and, uh, you know, you you understand it a little bit more, you know. And, of course, you get, uh, you know, Sean Connery in there saying, Sean Hare, don't react well to bullets, Ryan. And uh, you can enjoy that. Uh, you can enjoy a time when uh, we all enjoyed Alec Baldwin in movies, too. That was a long time ago. He was in that movie. He was good uh, in that movie. War Games, you ever watch that movie where uh, – Matthew Broderick hacks into a uh, military computer and starts World War III just about. That is an interesting movie to watch right now. It kind of depends on how sensitive you might be about things, though. I have to be careful because my wife is not on this page. My wife will not watch these movies with me right now because they're kind of too real. Like when the, uh, whenever the pandemic started, I sat down and I watched all the uh, disease movies. I watched 12 Monkeys and I watched Outbreak and I watched uh, Contagion, which is – very eerie how similar that is to what actually happened. Uh, and that movie came out 12 years ago. And it pretty much describes what happened with COVID-19 and the shutdowns and the vaccines and all the different arguments and controversies. All of it's in there. Uh, and uh, weird, really weird that that movie's Anyway, I'm that kind of a guy where I'll just, I guess I just jump into it. Uh, military um, is working with the idea that during chaos, it might be better, so they're saying, to incorporate artificial intelligence into defense projects so that there is a future in which machines, this is a quote from uh, this article uh, by Parshnu Verma of the Washington Post, who says that that the military envisions a future in which machines are more than just tools. Uh, The machines uh, will function more as colleagues more than tools. I don't know about that. I just feel like that whole thing is is a very odd thing to do. Right? Do you do you want Alexa to decide whether or not uh, you're going to uh, you know defend yourself or make a dog bark? What do, what does your Alexa do that you don't really want your Alexa to do other than listen to all of your conversations and chime in once in a while, which is also really creepy? Um, and uh, you know, and read your mind. Do you ever uh, think of something? This, <laughs> this is going to drive some of you crazy, but have you ever been thinking about something and then all of a sudden you get ads for it on your Facebook or something? How is that possible? Like I don't know what, what they're doing. Uh, we live in a weird, a weird time, my friends. 888-528-2557 is the number. This is Southern California Live. This hour, we've been talking about 
Jesus being right about everything, we've been talking about our response to different things and how God lifts us up when we are faithful to him, when he put, he'll put us in a place where we can really share something that God has done in our life to really help the people around us. And, you know, when we talk about turning the other cheek, as we talked about in the last segment, sometimes people, I think, uh, particularly guys, we struggle with that because it sounds like uh, we're being wimps. Sounds like uh, that's really bad advice. And we struggle with the idea of, of gentleness anyway. And we have to be careful because gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. Is God making you more gentle? What in the world does that mean? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Um, why does God want us to develop those characteristics? Like, why would he do that? You know, there's something about gentleness that is not gentle in a sense of of being wimpy or being somebody who can't engage in hard things. That's not at all what it means. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, he says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Uh, that's such a huge word right there. Uh, that person should be restored gently. Uh, in talking about the Will Smith, Chris Rock incident again, when you looked at what people who came around Will Smith were trying to do, I think in a way they were trying to do this. Imagine if somebody just got in Will Smith's face and started shouting him down. Lots of people were very angry with him. Lots of you are very angry with him. And I think that's understandable. Uh, there are lots of reasons why that was a bad thing and it hurts a lot of people. Not just the movie stars. I mean, you have the movie stars and all of that fantasy. But the industry that they're a part of that rely on people like Will Smith and Chris Rock doing well uh, many of you listening, your job relies on these people. Uh, your jobs rely on so many of these these things. It matters. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. I'm glad to see so many people standing up and restoring him gently. I didn't see anybody you know, shouting at him or doing those things. And the reason why is watch yourselves or you may also be tempted. You know, when we escalate things, we get tempted and we find ourselves in the same situation. We just might might hit back. Let's go to the phones here. Jacqueline in Los Angeles. Jacqueline, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, thank you. Yeah, hi, Jacqueline. Hi, um, I have a question um, regarding Will Smith, way he lashed out. Yeah. And I was just kind of um, thinking more like um, when I saw that happening, it almost kind of like made me think of like somebody that seems very successful that has it all together, that talks talk a lot about, like, therapy and things, and then um, he ended up doing that on live TV. I kind of was um, just kind of grateful that he was human, you know? Like, he is mm. human, and he doesn't have it all together, and that's okay. Yeah, I think that's a very uh, um, an important and gracious way to look at him, right, is that he's he's you know, as people used to say, you know, he puts his pants on one leg at a time, like the rest of us people, you know, used to say. And, um, you know, I think some people celebrate when they see a celebrity fail, but I think hopefully for us, it's a reminder that they are just people who are in an intensely, in an intense situation that most of us can't imagine. Is that how you're feeling, Jacqueline? Yes, and it just kind of also reminds me that as a Christian, we can feel like that too sometimes, you know. And I guess my question was, 
as a Christian, um, how do we do it so we won't feel? I mean, he was embarrassing TV internationally, but us as Christians, you know, even at home, we feel embarrassed, like in front of our family members. So sure. As a Christian, how do we handle that without feeling like that's it? Kind of like when Moses ran off, you know, how do we handle yeah. it us not running off like that? Yeah. Okay. That's a that's a really good question. You know, this is kind of what I was getting at as we started this out. We do it with gentleness. If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. And then it continues to say, this is Galatians chapter 6, carry each other's burdens in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves, right? I mean, that's something that sometimes a celebrity might think of themselves as something that they're not. But sometimes we think of celebrities or even just other people. They may not be celebrities, but somebody that we look up to. And we think of them as people that they are not. And then we're hurt when they fall. But sometimes that pain is because we put them on a pedestal that they shouldn't have been on in the first place. You know, I think that one of the things we should always consider, we always have to think about, is that people need grace. You know, grace is a wonderful thing. It means unmerited favor. And whenever we screw up and we do something stupid, you know, we covet grace. We are we are begging people for grace. Please have grace. Please, please don't unfriend me. Please don't dislike me. Please don't reject me because I've done this stupid thing. And we want grace, and it's so wonderful to receive. And I've been there before where I've received grace for something stupid, and it just feels so great, and you feel so loved. The thing to, that is hard is it's hard to give grace when somebody else hurts us or when we see somebody else fail that maybe boosts us up somehow. I think that a answer to your question is with people in your family or people who you know are embarrassing you or doing embarrassing things, you need to give them grace. Grace, Giving them grace does not mean you excuse what they're doing or you, you try to rationalize it, okay? And that's what, what Paul is writing here in Galatians. We should carry each other's burdens. We should restore that person. We have to get active, okay? Uh, verse 9 there, he says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Uh, we need to be involved with people and don't just let them do their things because sin is going to destroy. And if you love somebody, you're going to, you know, sin destroys everything it touches. It just does. There is an activeness that we have in uh, in giving grace. It really matters. Um I hope that that's very helpful to you. This is Galatians 6. I think it's a good thing. You know, being gentle, uh, it really means in a lot of ways humbly. It's to recognize that uh, you're not any better. And from a spiritual standpoint, Will Smith will stand in front of Jesus one day. And the answer isn't going to be, well, I was an actor. Well, I made a lot of money. Well, I you know, inspired people through film. What he needs to be able to say is, uh, I'm forgiven because Jesus died for me. And he understands that Jesus is his Savior, and that's how we should pray for him and pray for our family members who might be doing the same thing. This is Southern California Live. We'll be back with the Tuesday edition in just a few moments. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.